We shall now turn to the portion of scripture which we've read, Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1. Hosea chapter 6 verse 1, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us, he hath smitten and he will bind us up. Now today has been appointed as a day of humiliation and prayer by our presbytery. Why? Why? Simply because it's obvious that God's judgment is upon us. God's indignation is against us. As a church as a nation and as a world. We are suffering as individuals and we're suffering as a presbytery and we're suffering as a generation. Nothing happens by chance. It's not a chance occurrence, this COVID-19 that has come our way. God sends these things because of sin. As judgment, as chastisement, as punishment. Let us examine our hearts before the Lord, ourselves personally, but also as a congregation as a Presbyterian church. Let us examine ourselves in the light of Scripture, confess our sins and repent of them. Let us return unto the Lord and he will bless us. That's what it says in this verse, isn't it? Come and let us return unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. So first of all then, this morning, God has smitten us. God has torn us. God smites and tears. Israel were not prospering at this time. Troubles had come upon them and things were going from bad to worse. Hosea warns, O Ephraim, thou hast destroyed thyself. Soon Assyria will invade the land and carry the Israelites away into captivity. That was the situation for Ephraim, for Israel. But it's also the situation in Britain today. Thousands, indeed tens of thousands, have died as a result of this COVID virus. Others have been sick and suffered 
some of them in hospital. Some continue suffering from long COVID. Our economy has been badly hit. People have lost their job. Businesses have failed. And over the past year, the churches have been closed for more than half the year. The churches are open at the moment, and yet the numbers attending are very small. Many people have got used to not going to church. have got out of the way of going to church. Others have got used to listening to sermons online and find it so much more comfortable to, to listen to the service at home in the comfort of their own home rather than struggling out to church. Maybe because they're not very well or because um, they're suffering from various disabilities or because of fear, one reason or another, but the situation that confronts us today is that our congregations are very much smaller than they were. And what is in the future for us? Some are talking about a third wave of the virus. We're seeing this Indian mutation spreading through Glasgow and through the rest of the country. Will things get worse? Where will it end? Will the vaccines work? Will the virus mutate again so that the vaccines don't work? When will it end? Our own denomination has declined badly, particularly in the last 10 years. Do we have a future? Or is the Lord going to remove his candlestick from its place? Is the Lord saying to us, you've had the gospel for long enough. You've had the blessings of my word for long enough. I turn from you to the heathen. God smites and tears. He did that to Israel. And surely he's doing that in Scotland. But not just out there in the world. But it's affecting the church and the people of God. In the second place, why is this happening? Why was God smiting Israel and tearing them? Well, because of the golden calves of King Jeroboam. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. You don't have to go up to the temple. You don't have to go up to Jerusalem to worship. You can worship at Bethel, you can worship at Dan. And he placed there golden calves and an altar 
And he said, you can worship Jehovah, the God of Israel, but you don't have to go up to Jerusalem to worship. And he caused Israel to sin. And then there were the sons of Jeroboam, and then there were other kings, and there was Ahab and Jezebel persecuting the Lord's people and provoking Jehovah to anger with their promotion of Baal worship. And so God likens Israel to a harlot. And God says to Hosea, go and marry a harlot. He married this woman, Gomer, a woman of immorality and a woman who, after he'd married her, committed immorality. And that's the way Israel were in the sight of God, an immoral wife. God had married Israel, but Israel was going away after other husbands, after other gods, going away after the golden calves and after Baal and Ashtaroth and the gods of the heathen, Chemosh and Molech, and worshipping the host of heaven, worshipping the sun, the moon and the stars like an adulterous wife. And yet God is faithful and God is saying, come back, come back to me and I will pardon you and I will forgive you. Now it's possible for us to point to the sins of the world and there's plenty sins of our nation. We think of the the sins of idolatry in our nation. False religions have come into our land, Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism. And there are false forms of Christianity, Roman Catholicism and liberalism. And there's many people and they're worshipping no God, atheists and humanists and secularists. And then there's all the failure in worship. Failure to worship the living and true God in spirit and truth. God's name is blasphemed in our nation. They're swearing and cursing. And films and plays that mock God. And the Sabbath day is treated just as any other day. Desecrated. There's no respect or little respect for parents and for authority. There's so much murder going on. Murder of the unborn child. Millions of little babies being massacred by our society, by doctors and nurses in our society. And then there's all the Adultery and homosexuality and lesbianism and transsexualism and transgenderism and gay marriages and all the proliferation of immorality to an extent such as was never heard of before. There's stealing and fraud and computer fraud and so on, identity fraud, there's lying on a huge scale and 
There's covetousness and greed and jealousy. So we point to the nation's sins. And there's plenty of sins out there, but but we should look into our own hearts. And at the end of the day, God's concern is not with the sins of the wicked. He'll punish the wicked in hell forever. But God's concerns are the sins of his children, the sins of his wife. God is your husband. And God is talking to you about your sins and your departing from him. And what are the sins of the church in Scotland today? What are the sins of the free church continuing today? What are your sins and my sins? Idolatry. Idols. How many idols do we have? Making an idol of our family, an idol of our home, an idol of our job, an idol of our appearance, an idol of our pleasure, an idol of our reputation. So proud, so caught up with ourselves and our importance. Self-worship. We worship anything. And yet there's so much failure to worship God. There's so little fear of God amongst us. Is that not true? Is it not true of me? That I don't fear God the way I ought to. And worship him wholeheartedly. And love him with all my heart and soul and strength and mind. What about you? Do you really love God the way you should? And then it comes to worship. And there's so much superficiality in our worship. Is there not? We come before God to worship and we take up the posture of worship. But are we worshiping God? Are we singing the Psalms and sometimes thinking of other things? reading the scriptures and our minds are away there, drawing near to God in prayer. and We're thinking maybe of what we were doing yesterday or what we're going to do tomorrow. And then we take God's name in vain. How easy it is for us to use the name God and Lord. And yet without trembling, without the fear of God in our hearts. We treat God so lightly. On the Sabbath day, how we misuse the Sabbath, how much rubbish fills our Sabbath, how our Sabbath days are wasted, how little we treasure that holy day. How little we respect authority. How much hatred and sulkiness and bad temper there is in us. Is that not the case? And what about immorality and lust and uncleanness and stealing and fraud and lies and hypocrisy? and pretense and sham and covetousness and greed have we not got plenty sins to repent of 
Is there not many reasons why the Lord should be grieved with us? He says to us, Son, give me thine heart. Where's our heart? Have we given it to God? Does he have it? Is he the center of everything to us? Can we say in truth, to me, to live is Christ. Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. But do we remember him? We remember all sorts of things. But what about God? Do this in remembrance of me, said Christ. But do we remember Christ? How precious is he to us? How concerned are we about him? Number your days and apply your hearts unto wisdom. But are we living as if we're going to be here forever? Going on from day to day and thinking very little about death and judgment and eternity. It would seem from the way we live that this life was all that mattered. There's a token acknowledgement of God, but it's only a token. Think of the church at Ephesus. You have left your first love. Have we left our first love? Is Christ our first love? <coughs> Are we like the church at Sardis? having a name that we live, but we're dead. Are we like the church at Laodicea? I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art poor and blind and naked and lukewarm, so lukewarm, We seem to forget that God is watching. That God's eye is upon us. That God is our husband. And he demands our hearts, our total affection. our sins but then thirdly there is here a call to repentance come and let us return unto the Lord our duty is to face up to our sins to search our hearts to examine our lives in the light of scripture 
to take the commandments and to work through them, examining ourselves. Our duty is to to read the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount, and look into our hearts. How are we before God? To see our sin, and seeing our sin, to humble ourselves. To fall down before the Lord in the dust. To confess our sins. To cry for mercy. To repent of our sins. Not enough to confess. But we have to forsake our sins. To repent. Repentance is a saving grace. In order to repent we need grace. We need grace for everything. Every good thing we do we need God's help. We need God's help to see our sin. We need God's help to be convicted of it. We need God's help to humble ourselves. We need God's help to to claim the blood of Jesus. We need God's help to change our lives, to be converted. Repentance is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred for his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Repentance, that's what we need to come back to God, to cry for mercy, to plead for forgiveness. Surely it's obvious that God's not happy with us. Where is the blessing upon our church? Where are the spiritual blessings in our own lives? Yes, we're blessed with material things. But is that as a judgment upon us? We have all the things of this life. But has Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked against God? Is God giving us these things to, as a judgment upon us? Blessing us abundantly with the things of this life for our further condemnation because our spirituality is so low. Surely his hand is heavy upon us. The preaching of God's word is so so weak today, so powerless. Where is the conviction of sin under the preaching? Where are the tears of repentance? Where are sinners falling down, calling upon the Lord for mercy? The word goes forth and it seems to return again to the Lord void, accomplishing nothing. God seems to be a stranger in our land, a stranger in our church. Where is the Lord? And where is the hunger and thirsting for meeting with God? 
Why are our congregations so small? Because there's no hunger. Because there's no desire. Because people come to church and they get nothing. And they go away. And they've got nothing. And they go away home. And it makes no difference to them. So church seems to be so meaningless. And day by day goes by at this low level spiritually. And God sends a coronavirus in amongst us. And there's no humbling, no repentance, no grieving, no fear of God. Plenty fear of the virus, but no fear of God. No repentance before him, nor even acknowledgement of what he has done. Come and let us return unto the Lord. Come and let us return unto the Lord. A call to repentance. But fourthly, God is merciful. How thankful we should be that God is merciful. Let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. The prophet here is making a great promise. Let us return to the Lord. He will heal us. He will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. How wonderful it is that God is long-suffering. Slow to wrath and in mercy plenteous. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of thine heritage. A God that delighteth in mercy. The long-suffering of God. God is like a husband who's got a wife who's going off every so often to commit adultery. And yet, there he is. All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. Time and time again, receiving us back willing to receive back the filthy adulteress as she comes back to him. We provoke him. We provoke him often. We provoke him to anger. And yet, he's willing to receive us. Does he not say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whoso covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them 
shall have mercy. Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you will hear, if you will obey. God is merciful. God is willing to heal us. Are we coming to him? Are we coming to him in sincerity? We think of Peter. We think of Peter denying the Lord. And the Lord saying to him, When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And there's Peter and the cock crows. And our Lord looks at him. And Peter sees that look in Jesus' eye. And he goes out and he weeps bitterly. Are we weeping bitterly before the Lord for my sins, your sins? God is merciful. Our God is not like Allah, a God who has no sacrifice for sin, no atonement, no saviour. A God of vengeance, a God of wrath, a God of destruction. Our God is a God who loves to be merciful, loves to be gracious, is willing to receive sinners, who sing, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and are bowed down with your sins and burdened with your guilt, come to me and I will receive you and I will heal you and heal your land. And then, fifthly, we have a duty to follow on to know the Lord. Verse 3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. We must follow on. It's not enough for us to Confess our sins and say a prayer and then forget about it all. We must persist in repenting and keep on repenting and keep on confessing our sin and keep on returning to the Lord and keep on turning against sin and hating sin and fighting against it and waging a good warfare against it. We are to Fight a good fight and wage a good warfare. It's an ongoing thing. Sin is never far away from us. The world is always seducing us. Satan, the roaring lions going around seeking whom he may devour. And we've got to follow on to know the Lord. And when we fall, we return to the Lord. And we keep on returning to the Lord. And we keep on coming back to him. We are to follow him and to keep on following him and keep on returning to him. Come and let us return unto the Lord. Let us return again to the Lord. Let us return today and tomorrow and the following day. Come and let us return unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. And on the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know 
If we follow on to know the Lord, we must keep on, not give up, not do it superficially, not just once, but again and again and again, exercising repentance every day and faith every day. And then finally, we have here a promise of revival. After two days, he will revive us. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain to the earth. His going forth is as the morning, the dawn. It's been dark, it's been very dark. But then the dawn. And it's not just a little, a little light and then it gets dark again. But the light keeps coming and keeps coming. And then the sun arises on the horizon and rises up to the new day. His going forth is as the morning. Sure, certain. He will come as the rain as the latter rain and the former rain. How essential rain was in Israel. If the rain didn't come, the crops withered and died. They needed the latter rain and the former rain. And we're in a spiritual desert and we too need rain, lots of rain. We can't get enough rain. We need the latter rain and the former rain. His going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. So that this dry land, this wilderness, this desert becomes as a fruitful field, as a garden, a forest for the Lord, uh, so that a handful of corn on the top of the mountains will shake like Lebanon, so that this city shall be flourishing, the city of God, with multitudes in it. We need revival. Come and let us return unto the Lord, because there's a promise of revival. He hath smitten us, Yes, here we are today smitten, so feeble, so weak, so broken. But there's hope. There's hope because we're not looking to man, not looking to a minister, not looking to a denomination, not looking to a confession of faith, but we're looking to God. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. A short delay, but the revival will come. And the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live. We've been dead, but we shall live. 
spiritually dead, but we shall live. We look to the Lord, we repent, we confess our sins, we turn to him, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. It's been dark, hasn't it? How terribly dark recently. And surely it's darkest before the dawn. His going forth is prepared as the morning. It's prepared, it's ready. The light is beginning to come, to break through. He shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain to the earth. Yes, the heavens have been as brass. They've been closed. There's been no rain. But now there's the promise of the latter rain and former rain, of blessed days to come, of a rich harvest. Let us look to the Lord. Let us return to the Lord. Let us cry to him for mercy. And surely, surely the Lord will hear. He promises to hear and he promises to answer. Let us pray. Lord, we need revival. We need the church to be awakened. We need resurrection, raised from the dead. We have been torn. We have been smitten. Smitten with this virus that affects so many, that affects the nation, that closes the churches. This virus that has been so destructive to the regular worship in the church. But, O oh Lord, we, we confess our sins. We cry for forgiveness, for mercy, for salvation. We return to thee, Lord. To whom else can we go? Thou hast the words of everlasting life. O Lord, look down upon us in mercy. Leave us not, O Lord, in the hands of the enemy to be further torn and trampled underfoot. But do thou heal us. Heal us with a spiritual healing. Thou hast torn us, bind up our wounds. O Lord, thou hast sent darkness to us. Do thou be to us as the dawn. May the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. May we hear thee saying to us, Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. O Lord our God, wilt thou not send the rain, the spiritual rain upon us? We long for it, O Lord. 
For all we see around us is a waste howling wilderness, a desert. But thou art able to make in the desert pools of water, and thou art able to make the wilderness to blossom as the rose. O oh, do thou come in mercy, and do thou do a new work, even in our day. May we see the right hand of the Lord extended, not in judgment, but in mercy. Stretch forth thine arm. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake to save us, O Lord, and all the glory be to thee. May we give thee all the praise. May we spend eternity worshipping, honouring and adoring thee, our Father in heaven, our Saviour Jesus Christ, our Comforter and Encourager, the Holy Spirit. Pardon our iniquity, for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>